Welcome back to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue studying God's Word together. If you're looking for a church to connect with here in Northwest Arkansas, let me invite you to join us at Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville. We're located at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and you can find out more information at calvaryfayetteville.com or give us a call at 479-442-4634. Now, on today's podcast, I have the opportunity to share, and we're beginning a short series about the Trinity. Today's message is focusing in on God the Son, and we are going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Let's listen together. So let me invite you to open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. We're going to spend just a little bit of time in this passage of Scripture this morning as we begin a short series on the Trinity. We're going to be looking at God the Son. Now, over the past few weeks, Pastor Kirk has been walking us through the last days of Jesus. We have seen the triumphal entry of Palm Sunday, the crucifixion, and the great and glorious resurrection. And we do this every year around the Easter holiday. It's it's important for us to remember these events because of their great significance. As we celebrate at Easter, that is our high and holy day. It is the day in which we place all of our hope and faith in that Jesus overcame the grave. You know, it takes these moments and time for us to have a relationship with him, with that crucifixion and that resurrection. However, if we're not careful, we can think of Jesus as only that, as our great sacrifice. Sometimes we can only see people in one way. We can even do that with Jesus. Now, I think about the people of the Philippines. My friend, Wade Allen, served there for 12 years as a missionary. He would tell me about their Christmas celebration. It began on September 1st. Now, we have all of these questions of, do you put your tree up before or after Thanksgiving in our culture? But there, September 1st, you could turn on the radio everywhere. Christmas had begun. So for a fourth of the year, I'm sorry, a third of the year, they would celebrate the helpless baby in a manger. He went on to explain that the Easter holiday wasn't that big of a deal to him. They were quite content to think of Jesus as only a helpless baby rather than a powerful Savior. Now, do we follow those same extremes? Sometimes. We have a tendency to think of Jesus as one thing or another. We place him in the category of helpless baby or maybe just a needed sacrifice. So we think of him as a miracle worker or even a great teacher. I remember back to my days at Southwest Junior High in in Springdale. My instructor, I believe his name was Mr. Harris, he taught civics. And he taught us about these guys. That was right? Okay, good. Uh, He taught us about great thinkers in the world. People like Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and Jesus. And he said these were all next-level thinkers. But that's as far as the conversation really went. You see, Jesus was much more than that. That's what we need to embrace today. That's what we need to understand. We don't need to just place Jesus in the category of a a baby or a sacrifice or just a miracle worker or just a great teacher. 
Now, is it unusual for us to think in those ways? No. Think about your school teachers. Seeing a teacher outside of school is always a crazy thing. You see them and you think they're not supposed to exist outside of that building. And it's always weird. There's never a way around it. But now as we get older and there are different things in life, you see somebody from work out in the, 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 the real world, it's always strange. I think about when we lived in Texas and Temple worked for Child Protection Services. We lived in Kilgore and she worked in Longview. And so a lot of times that wouldn't intersect, but every once in a while she would say, hey, we got to go this way because she would see a client down one row or another. And that's it. We see people out of their context and things are weird. It just, we think of them in that one category. I'll tell you, I still call my professor from Central Baptist College, Dr. Jameson. I did my internship with him. He preached at my ordination. I sat through his classes, all of those things. And even though he probably wouldn't mind me calling him Martin, he is Dr. Jameson to me. And I would have never thought of ever calling Dr. Thomas anything but Dr. Thomas at Central Baptist College. So should it be any surprise that we have a difficulty embracing the totality of who Jesus is? You see, he is more than a little baby. He is more than just a sacrifice. He is the Son of God. He is part of the Trinity. Now, Trinity is a word that we use but often struggle to understand. That isn't a surprise either. Over the years, we have used different concepts to explain the Trinity. There is the egg illustration. The shell, the yolk, and the white are all egg, but three separate parts. These parts are still egg. We have tried to use water. Water can be a mist. That's the gas. Water can be an ice, a solid. Water can be what we typically think of, a liquid. And these pieces are all still water. And there's even when we start to describe ourselves. I'm a son. I'm a father. I'm a husband. However, these illustrations just don't do justice to our God. So for the next three weeks, we're going to look at the parts of the Trinity. We will see God the Father, God the Holy Spirit in the weeks to come. And today, we're going to look at God the Son. And when we take a deeper look at the parts, we will understand the whole better. So let's begin this morning by taking a little trip through time. It's the early to mid-2000s, and I'm serving as the mission pastor of Haven Baptist Church. Because of our meeting venues, I didn't have an office. We met, first of all, at the Lowell Elementary Cafeteria. We met at a warehouse in Elm Springs. That was the best description of that building. (laughs) But because of those venues, I didn't have an office. That meant I had a little office in my bedroom, and I would look at my notes. I would study there. And one Sunday morning, I was sitting at my computer going over my notes before Sunday services. Temple was helping the kids get ready for church. I have no recollection of where my son was, so there's no idea what Riley was doing at this point. But Temple helping the kids meant helping little Katie Beth in our bathroom control her crazy curly hair at the time. She was two or so, 
And while I'm looking over my notes, her little head pokes out of the bathroom and utters the words that I'll never forget and really wish that everyone would ask. Daddy, what's the big deal about Jesus? Such a big question to come out of such a little girl. It's that question that I want us to address today. What's the big deal about Jesus? Well, as we look in Colossians, we know that he is preeminent. He is worthy of worship. We know that he is those things, that he is a perfect man born of a virgin. We know that he lived a perfect sinless life, that he was a great teacher, that he loved on people, that he, he did miracles in this world, and we know that he died on a cross for us. We also need to understand that he is fully God in that whole process. We need to see that he is more than a helpless babe in a manger, that he is more than a sacrifice on a cross. He is the very Son of God. Seeing who he truly is will change how we respond to his instruction and our calling. So let's read our text. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. There the Bible says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these moments when we can pause to, to listen to your word to read it together, to share from it. And Father, I just ask in these moments that you help us better understand the Son. Help us to see beyond just what the world would paint him as, a good man, a teacher, but who he is. So Father, in these next moments, work in our hearts and minds and help us to put you in first place. Forgive us in Christ and we pray. Amen. Well, there are three things that I really want us to look at this morning so that we can understand who Jesus is better. And again, by understanding who Jesus is, we have a better understanding of who the Trinity is. You know, we'll talk more about God the Father, we'll talk more about God the Holy Spirit in the weeks to come, but I really want us to see who Jesus is as we go forward today. First of all, Jesus is first. So we look at verses 15 and 18. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And going on down, verse 18, he is, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. What do we find here? First of all, we find that he is the firstborn of creation. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus was created. As we'll see in a moment, we know that Jesus was there all the time, that he was in the beginning with the Word, and the Word was God. 
And so we need to understand. But this firstborn of creation is a rank. It, I am the firstborn of David and Barbara Carson. That is a special rank that I hold. I'm proud of that. My son Riley is my firstborn. He is my son. He is my firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn of creation. He holds a rank above all and beyond all. And we should worship him as such. He is the creator, which we'll talk about more in just a moment. But he is the firstborn of creation. Secondly, he is the first of the resurrected. He is, a, he is our promise. He is our hope. If we didn't have what we celebrated last week, we would have no hope. Jesus overcame the grave, and in doing so, he fulfilled promise. So we have that hope. When our world is dark, when we think we can't go on, we know that this is just a moment in time. We can look to the future. We can look to the day that we will spend all eternity with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Because he is the first of the resurrected. We celebrate that. Every Sunday when we come in this place, it's the Lord's Day. It's the day to celebrate the great promise that Jesus made. Third, we need to understand that he is the first of the church. That's all a part of God's plan. Now, I don't know about you, but over the years, I've been a part of different churches. Whether it was because of age and we moved to different places, um, being in ministry and being on staff, I've served at a variety of churches. Some churches, there are people amongst the congregation who feel like they're first, that it is their church, that it is their, their right to make decisions. But we need to understand that Jesus is the head of the church. Now we look to Pastor Kurt for leadership here. He is the under-shepherd. He guides us, he helps us, he, he studies the word and he points us in the word. But Jesus ultimately is the head of this church and of the church. We need to celebrate that. We need to embrace that and understand that we are all under authority. As Americans, we don't like to be under anybody's authority. We are quite happy with being independent, strong-willed people. But God's word paints a different picture for us. That we are to be under authority. We are to be under his authority and to lean into that. You see, Jesus is first, and he should be first in all. He is firstborn of creation. He is first of the resurrected. He is the first in the church. He is preeminent. I love that word. I love that description. Jesus is first. He is first place, and that should be reflected in our lives, but often it's not. But when we understand that, when we embrace that, we understand look to that and make that a part of our lives, our lives will be different. So the first thing that I wanted us to see this morning is that Jesus is the first. The second is that Jesus is creator. Let's look at verses 16 and 17. There it says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers and authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold 
together. Now, if you haven't heard of Louis Giglio, I'd encourage you to go to YouTube and look up some of his videos. You can find them there. But Louis Giglio is the, an author and the voice behind the Passion Conferences. He's reached an entire, uh, well, not an entire generation, but he's reached a generation of college students by speaking boldly about who God is and how he interacts with our world. I had the first chance to see him was on the indescribable Chris Tomlin tour. And he shared a lot of great things, but then I came across this. One of my favorite talks is how he describes what holds us together on a microscopic level. And I wish I had a picture of this for you, but I don't have one on our slides. The substance is called laminin. And the cool thing about laminin, if you look at it through a microscope, it looks like a cross. It's unbelievable. Laminin, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. On a base level, it is the stuff that keeps us held together. What's really wild is that its physical shape is a cross. Now, is that a coincidence? No. That's how God operates. He shows himself in all of creation. Now, is that something that we could have seen by ourselves, no, it takes powerful microscopes to see these things. But what we need to understand is that Jesus is the creator. We find that here in Colossians in our text, but we also find that in other passages of Scripture. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 and verse 14, maybe a passage that you've learned over the years. There the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What a powerful reminder that through Jesus... All things were created. Jesus did not come into existence at the time of his physical birth. When we celebrate Christmas, we're not celebrating Jesus being born the same way that we celebrate any of us being born. We're celebrating God's gift to the world. We're celebrating entry of the God, the Son, into the world. He has always been and always will be. He was the great agent of creation. Jesus is creator. Hebrews 1, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says this, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. He holds everything together. He is who we worship, for he is God and he is creator. Jesus is the sustainer of creation. He holds it all together. He didn't just set things in motion. He lovingly supports that creation. I had a handful of conversations with Temple's father before he passed away. And this one was early on, I think 1994. We've been married, we flew out, and I met him for the first time, and so what do I do as a young preacher man? I talk to him about his spiritual life. 
Speaking to an agnostic at best, <laughs> mainly an atheist, it was an interesting conversation. Very intelligent man. He described that he thought of God more as this great watchmaker that wound it up and let it go. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus sustains this creation. This laminin holds us together and it reflects that agent of creation. It reflects Jesus Christ. So we celebrate him. And we worship him. Jesus is first. Jesus is creator. And Jesus is the great reconciler. Verses 19 through 20 of Colossians, our text, says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We could have no relationship with God except for Jesus. Now, last week and the week before, and even the week before, we were talking about that great sacrifice that Jesus had to make. So in a very real sense, he is and was a sacrifice for us so that we could have a relationship with God. We even talked about John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. He is that great gift that God the Father gave to this world. Jesus is that reconciliation. He is how we have a relationship with the Father. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this statement is pretty important. Not only does it tell us that Jesus is the only way to reconciliation with God, but also tells us a lot about Jesus. If we want to think of Jesus just as a great teacher like my civics teacher did back when I was in ninth grade, then I have to look at this as a little strange. Because if he was a great teacher, then was he a liar in this situation? If he was just lying about being God and about being the only way, or was he a crazy man? And we wouldn't put a crazy man in connotation of a great teacher. Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? There is a, a book by Josh McDowell that, called More Than a Carpenter that has a little chapter that's called Lord, Lunatic, or Liar. And it is that chapter in which much of our faith hinges. We either believe what Jesus said, and he did what he said, that he was a, uh, a God of promise, and that he fulfilled those promises, or he was a crazy man who shared those things and, and that they weren't going to happen, or that he was just a straight-out liar. I lean, will always lean, towards Lord. So I'd encourage you to read that and look at that. Think about that. If you're struggling with your faith, look into that little book. If you need a copy, I can find one for you. 1 Timothy 2.5 also talks about this Jesus as our reconciler. There it says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, 
There is no other way for us to have a relationship with God through, than through his son, Jesus. So Jesus is much more than just a babe. He is much more than just a good teacher. He is the way we have a relationship with God. And he continues to do that. He stands as the mediator between God and man. He is the man, Jesus Christ. Now, to understand who Jesus is, we must truly see him. He is more than a baby in a manger. He is more than a miracle worker. He is more than a great teacher. He is more than a sacrificial lamb. He is all of these things and more. He is God the Son. So what do we do with that? How do you treat Jesus? Is he preeminent in your life or you just pull out all the parts of Jesus that you need when you need them? Some of us do that. It's Easter. <coughs> Let's worship the risen Jesus. It's Christmas. Let's worship baby Jesus. It's Sunday. Well, let's study Jesus the teacher or the miracle worker. Seeing him in his totality means that we will worship Jesus and that we will worship all of him. Several weeks ago, Pastor Kurt shared a message with us that talked about looking at God and just picking the parts of God that we like, that there's a problem with that, but that becomes idolatry when we worship, if we just worship those pieces of God that we like and we, we think, well, that's too hard. I'm going to set that piece aside. It's the same with God the Son. We cannot just say, I just like, I like baby Jesus. And I've seen silly movies where, where they'll say, I'm praying to sweet baby Jesus. There's so much problem with that. So many problems. You see, Jesus is our hope. He is our, our peace. He is our help. He is all those things that we need. When we're in dark places, he is the light. When we think we can't go on, he is our perseverance. So how do you treat Jesus? Just as a mix and match menu where you can pull out what you want and when you want it? Or do you spend time looking at all of who Jesus is? Do you worship him that way? Which follows, or we follow with this question, where does Jesus rank in your life? You see, he needs to be first in all that you do. And I know that this is a countercultural idea. We are told to think of ourselves first. I know that uh, over time, um, I wondered what I should do about a job that I was in. This was a trying to figure that out. And my brother gave me a good piece of advice that in most places in a job setting, that business is looking out for their best interests and you have to look out for your best interests. That sounds very logical, doesn't it? But that doesn't quite match up with what Jesus tells us to do. And so we have to think about our relationship with him. Think about where he falls in our life. <coughs> we are told to think of ourselves first, and there's an old saying that I love to remind myself with that helps. It uses the word joy, and you may have heard it. If I want to experience real joy in this life, I will think of Jesus, then others, and then you. 
It's a bit old-fashioned, but guess what? That is what God is calling us to do. He is telling us to put Christ first in our lives. That's going to shape our, our jobs. It's going to shape our families, our decisions, our witness, and our future. So we have to ask ourselves the question today, who holds first place in your life? We often think it's a, it's a godly thing to say, well, my family holds first place in my life. God must hold first place in our life. Jesus it should be first place in your life. So, do you have a relationship with him? Have you accepted Jesus as Savior? Because that's where it starts. We can try to manipulate our lives, try to move things around and, and think, okay, I've done all the right things, but if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, none of these other things make any sense because that's where it starts. If you haven't made that decision, today's the day. I'd encourage you to find me, find our a worship leader, Jason, any one of our shepherd leaders after the service, we'd love to tell you how to know Jesus in a personal way. And as I look around this congregation, I see faces that I, I believe most here know Jesus in a personal way. But there are times when we come and we keep worshiping and we keep going through the motions and we realize that our relationship with Christ never had a starting point. And he wants that. It needs that. It has to have that. And so maybe you find yourself realizing that today. So I'd encourage you to look at that. So how do you treat Jesus? Where does Jesus rank in your life? And simply, do you have a relationship with him? You see, he is Jesus, the God, of, God the Son. He was a helpless babe born in a manger. He was a perfect man who walked on the earth who never sinned. He taught. He could perform miracles. He died on a cross. He rose again. But in that story, we forget that Jesus was in the beginning. That he was a creator. That he is how we have reconciliation with God. My prayer today is a simple one that you know him in a deeper way, that you commit to making him first place in your life. Because so many of us think we got it figured out, we're doing what we're doing, that's it. That's all we need to do. We need to make Jesus first. That may change some of the things you do in the future. And it may be hard to understand, and people may not understand why you did it. But when we place Jesus first, he'll be honored, He'll be glorified, and we will worship him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this time together as we have studied your word. I thank you so much for your son and the great gift of salvation that we have in him. And I just ask that if there's one here today that hasn't begun that relationship with you through Jesus, that you work in our hearts that you bring a sense of understanding and calling to that place. And Father, as, as we sing, as we worship you, as we thank you for who you are and how you are working in our lives, we just give you the praise. Help us to be yours and to lean on you. In Christ and we pray, amen.
Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.